Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This is your weekend recap, coming to you a little bit late. We're recording this on Monday night. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Albert Wynn. He's the analytics capper. Albert, how was your weekend? What's up, Matt? Thank you for having me on. Weekend was awesome. It was uh, amazing games in the NFL, and the NBA was really cool, too, especially that Lakers-Celtics game, um, but I'm traveling right now. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm super excited. It's the legalization of sports betting here, so I had to be here for that. Um, I can't wait to put some NBA bets in. Nice. Very nice. Uh, you can check all that out in the Action Network app, by the way, if you're a listener in Massachusetts. Uh, the Action Network app is, by the way, the best way for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. On today's show, we're not going to do awards this week. I'm taking a little break from awards because I'm a little awarded out. I've been talking about them so much and I've got <laughs> trade deadline on the brain. We are going to, however, make the case for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, obviously, can't talk about this without talking about Joel Embiid and his phenomenal performance versus the Denver Nuggets on Saturday night. Embiid goes for 47 points and a dominant performance. Absolutely outplayed Jokic down the stretch. Hit every mid-range shot in the book. They pulled out all the stops to get that win. They just absolutely, it was a phenomenal game plan. I don't mind this. I think it's great when teams try and win regular season games. I get sick of how casual teams take the regular season. So Doc Rivers shifts his rotation. He puts Embiid versus the second unit. And he beats up on Zeke Naji. Uh, he switches PJ Tucker onto Jokic in the second half, and they don't find the Nuggets are unable to counter it. And meanwhile, Embiid does his thing. Ultimately, that game was decided by a bad run for the Nuggets in the late third quarter where they just got really sloppy with the ball and let a lead slip away. They had a chance to go up 18 and let it slip. And then the Nuggets in the second half had a 100 offensive rating with Jokic on the floor. It was really the Sixers' defense that came through for them. The Embiid performance was absolutely incredible, and he deserved to be higher in the MVP rank race, and the odds have shortened, and I think that all that is good and valuable. I think you're buying high right now. Like I've mentioned Embiid a couple of times in various spots as a buyer low candidate. Maybe wait. I still think that this will probably regress, and we'll talk about some of the other things. But it was a really phenomenal performance from Embiid, Albert. Um, 
I do want to ask a question, and we're not going to talk about awards, but I just want to ask the question of, I don't think that you should be buying Embiid right now because you're buying him at like the highest price. He has been in the race. He's been in the conversation, and he may have leapt to the top, but he's going to have to stay healthy, and the Sixers are going to have to stay dominant, and you're going to have to deal with the lagging recency effect of Saturday's game over the next two months of games. I agree. So all those, you know, amazing vibes, they they treated this like a playoff game. They pulled out all the stops, like you said, and it ultimately did not matter. Why? Because they had a 21-point lead tonight against the freaking Orlando Magic at home and lost by 10 points. So at the end of the day, the last two games are one and one, just like everybody expected anyway. So, I mean, you're right. From a from a MVP futures market, there's no way I would touch Embiid right now. Uh, but the 76ers, man, they can't take a game like the Nuggets super serious and then a night later lose to the Magic. So I hope they can find consistent play. This team is built for the playoffs. We all knew that. That's why we were so high on this team heading into that season. Uh, we had them, you know, winning the division. We had them winning the conference and then obviously the finals futures as well. So we know what this team is capable of. I just want Doc to make sure that they're consistently performing on a nightly basis. Sixers are plus 480 to win the division and going into Monday night's games. They were just one game back of the Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia 76ers decided to uh, enjoy the celebration for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night as the Eagles advanced to the Super Bowl. And the Sixers, after being up by 21 in the first half versus the Orlando Magic, blow it. And the Magic come back. Mo Wagner outplays Joel Embiid down the stretch. So I guess Mo Wagner is the new MVP. Congrats to Mo Wagner, the new MVP <laughs> leader in the clubhouse. Um, as the Sixers collapse, but like, look, it's it let. The, I was on Magic in that game. I was like, ooh, my number likes the Magic. It's a letdown spot. The mm-hmm. Sixers probably went out and enjoyed themselves in the parties on the Eagles uh, Broad Street. So um, all of that lined up very well for them. Not a long term concern. What I do want to ask you about though is the playoff matchups. So in order for the Sixers to win the Eastern Conference and at FanDuel, they are plus 600 to win the East. Fourth best odds, which I think is disrespectful for them, given that the Sixers are one of only two teams that are top 10 in both offense and defense schedule adjusted at dunks and threes. But they're going to have to go through these four teams. And I think that we need to go through them and actually assess what their chances are, because they'll have to go through at least two of them in the playoffs. Let's talk about these these four. The Boston Celtics. This has obviously been kind of it's a classic rivalry, but it's also been a team that has stood in the way of the Sixers squad. Um, they beat them in the playoffs. Haven't really had like a full strength matchup between these two teams in a couple of years since Embiid's first real playoff run. Al Horford has an incredible record versus Joel Embiid. He wins most of these matchups. It used to be that the two best defenders for Joel Embiid league-wide were Marc Gasol and Al Horford. Marc Gasol's been out of the league for now two seasons, retired, and guess what? Al Horford's still around and still kicking ass and still beating Joel Embiid. The the Celtics also have one of the smartest defensive systems in the league. They understand how to double, how to do it effectively, how to manipulate those angles. Embiid still struggles with weak-side doubles. You double him in the front where he can easily recognize it. He'll pass it out, easy open three. The Sixers have put shooters around him. But if you wait for him to turn in the post or you bring it from the weak side double, he has a lot of trouble and he turns the ball over. So I want to ask you first off, what I don't necessarily want to do a cap on it, but just like what percentage chance would you give the Sixers in a matchup versus the Boston Celtics? 
I think it's going to be high, to be honest. I know historically Horford has played really well against Joel Embiid, but I think Joel Embiid is just on a different you know, level this year. And Horford is one year older, obviously. So I think you're right. Like Horford has always had the support behind him to be able to get up on Joel. Um, but I think, you know, on, in a seven game series, I think Joel is going to dominate that head to head matchup, obviously from a st- statistical standpoint, but also from an impact standpoint uh, in the game as well. I think the primary uh, or the swing matchup in that potential series is going to be Brogdon versus Maxi, the two six men coming off the bench. They do different things. They're good at very different things. Brogdon runs the offense for the Celtics when he gets in there. And Maxi is like a blur on offense for the Sixers. And they've been doing really good staggering Harden and Maxi minutes in their returns. Um, I think that's a swing matchup. Whoever wins that matchup is probably going to win the series. Um, so I, I think that series, for if I were a Sixers fan, I, I would just play them. Right. Because at the end of the day, I would have to go through Boston eventually. So let's just get it out of the way and play them because it doesn't matter if you lose in the first round, second round or third round, you're still going to end up losing. So as a Sixers fan, if I were a Sixers fan, I would rather just see Boston in the first or second round and get it over with. I have I ran the numbers today because I was curious. Let's say that they are on the that they're at home for game three. They got the first two in Boston. On the road in game three, I have the Sixers minus 1.8. I have them as a 1.8 favorite in that game. Now, that's actually pretty promising given that, like, the Celtics have been the best team in the league, et cetera. You don't want to be looking at it as like, oh, yeah, no, the Celtics should still be favored in the road games. 1.8 is not a terribly comforting number (laughs) given how, like, you, you would rather, like, have it be closer to minus three, minus four and a half on your win percentage line. But I do think that, like, that series probably goes long. It's probably tough, but I would probably be on the Celtics. I'd probably be betting the Celtics flat on the money line and probably be getting a pretty good price on it. You'd have to respect the Sixers. If they can put as my thing is I'm actually in the opposite boat from you. I don't want to see them. I want to go the other way. Mm -hmm. If Boston's one, I want to be two. If they are two, I want to be one or four. I don't want to be in the same bracket as the Boston Celtics. I want to put as many teams in front of them. I want them to have to go through two of Bucks, Nets, Cavs in order to get to me. I want to be able to keep them as far away from possible and throw as many teams at Boston in the hope that somebody disrupts them as I can because I still continue to believe that Look, you got Doc Rivers, you got James Harden, and you got Joel Embiid. A lot, and, a lot of playoff demons there. Yeah, it's a lot of playoff demons. But also, I'll say this, I don't love Doc having to having to play against a team that knows how to go small with versatility, and I don't love Harden going against a team that's comfortable switching. Those are tactics that have been proven to be effective versus those other two, and you have the advantage versus Embiid. I'm not saying so you want the- can't win, but yeah. So you want the Philly basketball team to have an easy road like the Philly football team. I get exactly. it. Exactly. Play no I one. I get it. Play no <laughs> one. Make the season. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Sixers. I feel like this is a high variance matchup where I'm probably going to lean Sixers in that spot. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like they're probably going to be underrated when we get into like the conversations about like, who's going to win the Bucks implicit. They've won a championship um and the you know the 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 Sixers haven't that that's going to wind up playing 
a big role in that conversation. Um, I have like currently I have the the Sixers as a significant favorite in, in that matchup at home. If that series started in Philadelphia, I would have the Sixers minus four point eight versus the Bucks. So I would probably wind up betting the Sixers, and I'm going to bet. Well, here's a question: if the if the Sixers have home court, who do you think's favored in that series on the series line? If they have home court, I think Philly's favored. Um, I agree with you. I would be on Philly in that matchup because I think the Bucks right now are being overrated because they won overrated in terms of the the respect in the futures market. I think night to night, Bucks can go off on anybody. Giannis can be the best player in the on the planet on any night. But I think from a futures market, they're a little overvalued right now because they did win it two years ago. And, you know, the market's like, well, they've been there before. Giannis is a two-time MVP and and things like that. So on and on and on. But we've seen this season, and, you know, Bill Parcells taught this to everybody in football. You are what your record is. And the Bucks have been very, very inconsistent all season long. They go on winning streaks. They go on losing streaks. They lose the bad teams like the Hornets, things like that. So... Um, I would be on the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they have a deeper team and I think they have a hungrier team if we were, if they were to match up. I feel like this, oh, I said originally, this would be a high variance matchup because I feel like it'd be a lot of missed threes. Like it would just be one of those, the series where both, like both fan bases are just dying with like, can anyone please hit a shot? And it would be physical and tough. Um, on the one hand, the Sixers, have PJ Tucker to throw at Giannis, but PJ like Giannis is of all pass where PJ used to give him trouble. So that sure. think that gets tougher and they don't have the wings that they used to, to be able to defend Giannis with Serge Ibaka is not going to be on this team though. And so the bucks really don't have a lot of fouls to throw at Embiid. And that's going to be a problem. Like Embiid can get Brooke Lopez in foul trouble and then get Giannis in foul trouble. And if you throw that combination out there, that opens the door for a Sixers win. So yeah, I think that, Sixers would probably be favored if they had home court and it would probably be a, less of a number than it should be. And I'd have to bet the Sixers. If the Bucks have home court, it gets real dicey. I'm probably betting over on games in that series. Brooklyn Nets. Okay. So Embiid's going to dominate here. Uh, Nick Claxton can be as good of a switch defender as he wants to be. Embiid's going to eat him alive. He doesn't have the size. They don't have any real centers. The Nets are looking at right now at the trade deadline to try and pick up some size, but though that's hard to find in the league. I wrote about that on action this week. You want centers, you're going to have to pay a price. Now I will say this, like I think the nets are going to make a move at the deadline. Um, they've been shopping Seth Curry, Joe Harris and Patty Mills. And those are three players, the players around the league or the teams around the league value. Those are guys that have won games and can shoot. So if they're able to pull off a trade that might make this matchup better, you know, they also have PJ Tucker in this matchup. The Sixers do to throw at Kevin Durant. So again, I feel like, and this is one where I absolutely feel like, even though my my model at full health when Kevin Durant's healthy, my model has the Nets as the number one team in the league. I like this matchup for the Sixers a lot. I think the Sixers would be dogs, even with home court, based off of how popular and public and how much the books have leaned towards KD and the Nets. And this is a matchup where, even though I think the Nets are underrated in a lot of other circumstances, I think they'd be overrated here, and I kind of lean towards Philly. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I'll say this. P.J. Tucker has a very good reputation, uh, but he's not stopping Kevin Durant. We saw this two years ago when P.J. was on the Bucks and Kevin Durant took that Nets team basically one, you know, one toenail away from from the finals there. So um, Kevin Durant definitely will hold his own. 
The difference will be Joel Embiid. He's just going to eat and feast on this team, um, not only offensively and scoring buckets, but he's going to be owning the offensive rebounds. Like There's nobody that can box him out on the Nets. You said it. They need a backup center. I know one in Dallas. His name is JaVale McGee. Let's <laughs> manifest that trade right now because we need shooting in Dallas. Uh, with, but with that being said, I think I've agreed with you three for three. I would be on the Sixers in that net series. Finally, you got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, this is a really interesting one because, look, Jared Allen can't guard Joel Embiid. Nobody can guard Joel Embiid. Embiid's Embiid. And Embiid's shown that he can plow through Allen and draw fouls. They do have Mobley to throw at him, and then they have Robin Lopez. So, like, they have fouls to give on Embiid. Like, they can space it out and be like, all right, we need to get through. You know, Jared picked up his fourth with, like, 10 minutes left in the third. We're going to have to make it for another 15 minutes of game time without Allen. They have Robin Lopez and Mobley. They can survive long enough to get through that. They do have Donovan Mitchell. They do play a more physical brand of defense on the perimeter. The bench units are kind of interesting to see the the matchups there, right? Like the numbers with Kevin Love have kind of fallen off a cliff as of late. It's gotten really bad and awkward. Um, Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench gives them a different dynamic for Philly. I think the Philly should be favored in that matchup, but this is kind of the opposite where I think probably the Cavs are going to be underrated. I would say I'd probably be on plus two and a half win spread for the Cavs in that matchup. I think this one's sneaky, pretty good for the Cavs, even though I don't think ultimately they can win four out of seven. This is our first first and last disagreement of the night. I like Cleveland in this series. I think the backcourt with Garland and Donovan Mitchell is going to eat the Philadelphia backcourt alive, which means they're going to have to play a lot of Melton which means that they're going to have a three-guard lineup with Melton, Harden, and Maxi, which is going to ruin their depth coming off the bench. I think Cleveland, even if they're on the road, um, even if the, you know, the Sixers have the home court advantage, I like Cleveland as the underdog here. It's going to really come down to Donovan Mitchell. If he can take advantage of that matchup, if Melton is going to be on Garland, if Mitchell can just take care of James Harden, I think uh, Cleveland has a really good shot. And you're right. It's a very, uh, it's a, it's a weird, you know, season arc for Kevin Love right now. He started super hot, but he's a, he's a veteran. He's been there several times, made many, many deep playoff runs. Um, if there's someone that can turn it around in the postseason, I, you know, I would expect Kevin Love to be able to find his shot. Um, if Kevin Love hits threes, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are def- are going to upset the Sixers. All right, this is going to wrap it up for that segment on the Philadelphia 76ers. We turn our attention to the most important covers of the weekend. So we're going to kind of revisit this as you've already slandered the Bucks here, AC, but we're going to go back to him. Giannis puts up 48 in 30 minutes on Sunday night. I think the Bucks are making a little bit of a run. Um, they got Middleton back. He looks better. Their offense has hit another gear. They look they look like a team that got off to a great start with bad process, coasted and really tailed off. And I was talking about how much I'm not betting them and they don't look good and the offense is terrible and all this stuff. And they got to like the second week of January and we're like, um, checks the watch. Yeah, about now. Let's go. And now like I'm terrified that they're about to go on this like monster run and just start rampaging. Now I have a lot of Giannis MVP futures, so I would love that. But <laughs> Um, I, I will say, I think, I think you're right on the season that the market has been overrating them based off of what they've told us they are. 
The problem is this would be now the second year in a row where they've done this. They were not great last year at this time, but it, we were able to say like, well, they don't have Brooke Lopez. Like once they get Brooke Lopez back, it'll be fine. And then they got Brooke Lopez back and they remember how they were, they were like third in the division. And we were all like, is it the bulls? Is it the kid? Nope. It's the bucks. They win the division again. I, I kind of wonder if the bucks are about to just stomp through February and March in lieu to another division title a top three seed and be in prime position to make another run at the title. Matt, isn't it coincidental that they're getting healthy at the same time they're playing the softest part of their schedule. Yeah. They play against Detroit where they drop 150 points. They played against the Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton and drop 141. And then they played against the Pelicans without Zion and drop 135. So yes, they've won the last four games, uh, including a really nice win against the Nuggets there. But they're playing Charlotte tomorrow night, another team that doesn't play any defense. So it's almost uh, four out of the last five games where they can get right. They can run offensive sets and really have like a practice during a real game. So, yes, they are turning up. The competition is very soft right now. I still think they are, um, to me, a seller or a, like they're bearish. I, I would be bearish with them, uh, you know, when it comes to their long-term outlet. I just don't think they play enough defense, and that includes – uh, Brooke Lopez, who was, you know, the runaway favorite in the beginning to win defensive player of the year. They're only a, a really good home team and they're not good on the road. And when teams are inconsistent like that, I can't really put my money behind them. I got a counterpoint for you. They're 17 and eight versus teams over 500 this season. That's a good stat. That's a good so, stat. The biggest thing here is that the Bucks haven't played well and they've won. So the question, this is the interesting question for you as a better, if you're looking at, at Bucks futures, they haven't played well and they've won. Do you trust the process, which says they're not as good as their market number says they are, and you should go elsewhere and find ways to fade them? Or does it say they haven't played well and they still won, so when they play well, this team really has something, which means that the market's probably under. They're either under or overrated in the market. That's what's crazy is either <laughs> the Bucks are overrated or underrated. They can't be accurately priced based off of how they played this season. Elsewhere, the yeah. Boston, Boston Celtics scrapped by the Lakers on a late no-call versus LeBron James, which he reacted to in a very calm and respectful and dignified manner, um, as did Pat Beverly. My big takeaway from this one, instead of anything about the officials or blah, 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 I got my eye on Boston. We started out with, like, I I made a big push on them for the under 55 and a half. Like, I have significant money on that, and it felt dead in November and December. We went from on pace for 65 wins, on pace for 60 wins. Now they're on pace for about 57. Could still get there. They need just, like, one little push. And I'm going to be SOL and I'm okay with that. That's fine. You make your bets and sometimes you're going to lose. But I do think that Boston, what we're seeing them settle into is the offense has come down. The defense has gotten where it needs to be. They're the only team that's top five in schedule adjusted offense and defense in the NBA right now. But the, the idea of the Celtics being on a tier of their own, I think is over. There's now like four to five teams we can put in the title picture. Boston's the first name you should mention, but I do think that we're seeing the slow regression of Boston to a top level team and not like an elite or all time team. For me with that game, Matt, I took more, uh, I took more away from the Lakers. Ooh, okay. I think they are, I think they are becoming a legitimate playoff team. I think they know their roles, and it starts with Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. 
he is the um, you know catalyst that uh, that takes care of that second unit. The way he attacks the basket has been great. Obviously, he's not a good shooter. Obviously, he can't hit free throws. But the way he presses the issue is really big for that second unit. And they've been doing this without Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, I think, just came back, so he played sparingly in that Boston game. They are still missing one shooter. Um, I think that Rui move was good. It's not obviously not going to make them a, a playoff, uh, a championship contender by any means. But we know a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron James arguably are two top 10, top 15 players in the NBA today. And I think the Lakers are becoming a, a real team be, be, before our eyes. We'll see a lot tomorrow night in Madison Square Garden when they play the Knicks. Um, but I took a lot away. They should have won that game with Boston, whether the call was was there or it was a miss, bad missed call. But they were leading late in that game. Um, I, I like the Lakers moving forward. As far as Boston, you are right. I was super high on them going into the season. They started off on fire. They had the number one offense in the history of basketball for like two months there. They've come down to earth, and the rest of the teams have caught up, especially teams in the West. We know that the teams in the East, we mentioned them already with playoff matches with the Sixers. But the teams in the West have been playing a lot better, including – the Nuggets, who I think gonna, are going to stop that two-game losing streak tomorrow night. So you're right. I think Boston has come back to the pack. The Dallas Mavericks lost the Jazz on Saturday. They beat the Detroit Pistons on Monday right before we recorded this. Luka dropped 53. He needed 53 points for them to beat the Pistons, Albert. The Mavericks are 27-25. and 25. The Suns are 27-25. and 25. The Pelicans are 26-25. and 25. And the 11th seed... Oklahoma City Thunder are one back in the loss column. Are you sure the Mavericks aren't going to miss the playoffs entirely? Are we sure the Mavs are going to make the playoffs or the play-in? Like, are we sure they're making the postseason? We are not sure, man. That's why the first time we we got on uh, the Zoom offline, I was like, Matt, tell me, please, that there is a move, uh, you know, incoming for the Dallas Mavericks because there's a lot of bad vibes right now. Uh, they were playing well when they inserted Christian Wood into the starting lineup, but since he's gotten hurt, they haven't been the same. Luca was out for a few games. Yes, it needed another you know MVP type caliber performance tonight just to beat the uh, the Pistons at home. I was on Detroit, so I'm good with it. But um, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a sure thing that they're in the playoffs. Especially, I mean, I just talked about the Lakers becoming a real team. The Lakers can. Um, you know, catapult and get past Dallas right now. So you never know, man. Everyone's so close. And finally, I want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Uh, the team, I've got a piece up. I've got multiple Intel reports out there. We posted one on, on over the weekend. It's up now. You can find the Action Network app. I'll have another one up probably Tuesday night or Wednesday, depending on a couple of phone calls I got to get in. Um, teams most likely to make an upgrade right now, I would say, are the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers will make some sort of move. The Portland Trailblazers. The seller is obviously Toronto, but I will just tell you that, like, I try to iterate the, reiterate this in the, the column. Don't expect it to be, like, the 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 Raptors move, Pascal Siakam, OG Anobi, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., um, Thaddeus Young. I think some of those guys will get moved. Like, my order is, like, Fred Van Vliet's probably getting moved. Gary Trent Jr., I think, is likely to get moved. OG Ananobi might get moved. Pascal Siakam probably won't. 
is like the way that I would kind of go down that. There were reports Monday from Sean Trenny of The Athletic about the Knicks putting in an offer for OG Anobi. That's a really good fit. That's a perfect fit for OG wants a bigger profile and a bigger standing and a bigger role, yeah. especially if they can do another trade to move Randall and get assets. The Knicks might really have something. I know Randall's been good this year, but if they, put, if they get Brunson, OG, with Mitchell Robinson as your defensive anchor, and then you add some wing shooting and depth, and they're trying to move Evan Fournier and guys like that, they could really have something there. Um, I think the Knicks that's are, a, are... That's a Tom Thibodeau team. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Cavaliers, I think, have a lot of upside here. They're not going to make any sort of major move, but they are probably going to make a move. Um, I would say that they will add a wing, whether they're, they're a Jay Crowder team. There's a bunch of Jay Crowder teams. The price is not high. Milwaukee should be an odds-on favorite to add Jay Crowder. It should be a minus number for for them to get Jay. Um, they met with him per reports. They've they've been they've gotten permission to speak with Jay. That's about the extension. That's why they're doing that. It's not like how you see your role. It's how much money is it that you want so we can keep you long term. Um, I think Boston probably loses a little bit of depth. I think Peyton Pritchard might get moved. Um, oh wow! Yeah. The other thing I would say is a buyer. I don't think this will impact. It would have things would have to get real crazy in a hurry as they are as we're recording this. I gotta check with the standings. This team is currently five games out of the 10 spot for the play-in. The Orlando Magic are buyers. They're not trying to like position for draft. They want to get like yeah. they they think they got it. They think Paolo's the dude. They and so they're looking, they're a Fred Van Vliet team. Uh, and that'd be like a really interesting addition there as well as like Phoenix. My question for you, Albert, before we get out of here is just, you know, kind of simply this. It, of all the trade talks and all the rumors that are floating around, is there any sort of scenario that would drastically change your move? The biggest one that I can think of is if Phoenix were to do something drastic in either direction, that probably shifts the value in the Pacific Division and in the Western Conference, depending on what Phoenix does. Yeah, it's it's easy to go at the top of the standings. So you're looking at the bigger teams. But I wanna I wanna focus on the Orlando there. I think if Fred Van Fleet gets to Orlando and, and plays with that very, very talented front line, I think it'll be enough. They're only, yeah, like you said, at four or five games away from tenth. Uh Pacers are sliding. Raptors are gonna be weakened if they move Fred Van Fleet. Van Fleet is such an underrated player. He's very clutch. He plays really good defense. And he's a great shooter, right? So the Magic has been trying to find that point guard for the last five, ten years. Actually, probably since Penny Hardaway. Um, so I mean, Fred Van Fleet would be a great answer for them. I think it'd be an awesome season for them to draft Paolo number one and make the playoffs. I think that's a huge successful win for that front office. As far as the top of the of the standings, yeah, Phoenix potential splash, you know, Dallas Mavericks potential splash, maybe the Warriors with all their young pieces will make a move and and move up the standings. But Jay Crowder moving to the East, whether that's uh, Cleveland where he's played before or Milwaukee where he's played for, I think that's a really, really significant move if he's in shape. I don't know if he's been working out and practicing because obviously he's not with the team. Um, so he has to be doing individual stuff and that's just not the same, but if he can play, you know, versatile defense and shoot 40% from three, he's a great asset to have in the playoffs. All right, let's go wrap it up for buckets for your Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the weekend recap. We'll be back on 
Friday with another Futures Friday episode. You've got best bets episodes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. As football wraps up, we'll probably be expanding these. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure to let us know that you love the show. Hit me up on Twitter at HB Basketball. Let me know that you like the show. It always helps me to know that you guys are out there and that you enjoy the show. Let me know what you think, what we could do better, what we could do worse. I'm always open for getting worse at certain things. Until next time, for Albert Wynn, the analytics capper, I appreciate you guys joining us. Download the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.